All right. <laughs> Here we are for another frame rate. Back at it in the studio. Susu Studio. The studio is my apartment. Who else is here? Oh, oh. no, it's just me in a void. <laughs> I'm a ghost. But it's not a studio apartment. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was setting up there. This is Frame Rate, where we rate frames. I'm Abe Epperson. I'm Michael Swain, the voice you've been hearing. And with us is our very special guest. Teresa Lee. Oh, I, I didn't know I was supposed to say my name. So no, you, you did paused. it right. You did it right. You your said name, your name. If your name is Teresa Lee, you I'm did Teresa it right. Lee. And uh, yeah, we just were on, guesting on a thing, and that always happens. I think the host always oh, yeah. points when they're like, I guess you should say your name so they know who you are. Really? And you always go, oh, right, I should say, okay, they're saying my is name. Is that what's is happening what right want. now? Yeah. I always introduce my guests. <laughs> on my podcast, You Can Tell Me Anything, which you can listen to if you guys like uh, yeah, Secrets. Yeah, yeah. Michael Swaim has been on it before. How dare you come on here <laughs> and, and plug right mention at the superior <laughs> podcasts? No, That's just true. different. Very different. It's like Hendrix coming on. It's one of those, if you Bob like Seger. this, you'll also like, you know, oh, parallel. Good save. Situations. Good save. Now the tension has been ratcheted as high as it could possibly go. <laughs> Teresa, tell us what movie you picked to discuss. I picked Punch Drunk Love by PTA. That's right. Punch Drunk Love <clears throat> starring Adam Sandler, which is odd. 2002. <laughs> so it's between... Magnolia and There Will Be Blood. Right after Magnolia. Mm. I think it gets overlooked in the PTA canon sometimes just because Magnolia and There Will Be Blood are mm -hmm. so bombastic on either side. But I love this movie. I'm really glad you picked it. I would want, I want to know what, uh, you had seen it before, right? Yeah, and then, you know, it's one of the movies that I, in my mind, I don't really like have a lot of favorite movies, so I just have like a circle of movies that mm. I would call like, oh, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, and I put it in there, but then when I picked it, I was like, it's been a while since I've seen it. And I think I maybe have only, I think I've seen it twice. I had to see it for class once. And then I think I watched it one other time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the kind of person who sits down and rewatches a favorite movie or right. whatever. Right. But what There's drew you to picking it? But it's, but it's included in sort of that category for me that I've always really liked. So you know what it is for me? I like the, I like the awkwardness of it. I, I like, um, I like that. I think Adam Sandler does a great job in it, but mm -hmm. I like that he sort of plays against his type. Um, and it just feels like a very simple movie. I think for me, the story and the writing is really good. And I like movies that are like it's earlier in his career, um, in Paul Thomas Anderson's career, where it's like you just see the the story and like you, you can tell it's not as big of a budget as yeah. you know he's used to later. So you can really see what he does as a filmmaker. Although it's interesting again that it came after Magnolia because that's like this huge on. I mean, it's still not you can get much higher budget than Magnolia, but I'm sure Magnolia costs more than Punch Drunk, don't you think? Actually, how much? I was just uh, about to look it yeah, up. I wanted uh, to see. Punch Drunk. What was the budget? $25 yeah. million. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this movie because, as you alluded to, I think the basic like premise of it, and push back if you disagree, because that would make for interesting conversation, mm -hmm. but it seems to me like it's going for uh, two... <coughs> People who could never function or fall in love for good reason in a traditional romantic comedy. Yeah. Uh, but their flaws are happen to be complementary, so it works. I don't actually think the flaws are complementary, but I, I, and I, I think to me, have you ever seen Minnie and Moskowitz? No. 
you guys are listening, you like Punch Drunk Love, you should watch Minnie and Moskowitz. Minnie and Moskowitz. It's um, it's Ca- John Cassavetes, but it, it's even more awkward and weird. And that's one of my mm. favorite movies. And that's w- very much an anti-romantic comedy. But I like this because it reminds me of that a little. But it has the feeling of like, you almost like, you don't, it's that uncomfortable feeling you have throughout the whole thing where you're almost like, oh, I don't, like it's so cringy and you don't want to watch. It's like, it's not, it's real. Yeah. It feels more real. But I don't think that their flaws complement each other because I kind of think it's one of the, uh, one of the points uh, is like one of his big flaws is anger. They, I don't really think, I think she kind of just ignores it and overlooks it. I don't think it's something she's mm. drawn to. I think she does the thing which we do when we want to like someone because mm-hmm. we want to be in a relationship where we're just like, oh, that's cute. I'll just pretend this part of this person doesn't exist, even though it's like one of the there's, main defining things about him. There's definitely a cost benefit analysis between the two of them because they clearly, they make statements of positive, like they go through the motions of like the first date mm-hmm. and they like express themselves with complete honesty. And it kind of, like this is, a, there was another film, uh, Lost in Translation, that did oh, this okay, as well yes. at the same time with this like dysfunctional love that's just like, can we just break through barriers, please? Where it's just like, I, it, Everything is said with the intelligence of, I know there's a lot of negative aspects about me, but here is what I want. And it comes out of Adam Sandler, like, I have a strength in me. I have a love, you know, (laughs) like this, that's him. And for her, she's just like, I'm real lonely. I drove my car to the quote unquote mechanics so that I could see you because I saw a photo of you with your sisters and Mm -hmm. I liked you. Like, it's this deterioration of all the social niceties that we usually employ and for good reason employ during dating well there's no i think there's no meet cute because it's yeah. literally the characters admit to creating that situation yeah well that's yeah so i guess that's my question so to synopsize real quickly adam sandler is a guy with seven older sisters mm-hmm. who is shat upon forever to the point where he has like Teresa said these violent anger outbursts my question is, and Emily Watson ably plays his counterpart, what's her issue, if any? Because this time, the first time watching it, I had this idea that they were like a yin-yang where it works for some weird reason, even though they couldn't mm. function. This time, I think she's, she legitimately still could do better than Adam Sandler. At the end, like, yeah, he's improved, but he's... Is the relationship creepy is what I'm getting at? A hundred percent she could do better. But also I think that that's her flaw is she wants to be in a relationship with him. And once, and she says she decided based on a picture. And so already we understand that that's how this person is, is they see something and then they stick to how that impression is in their minds. Like she's not going to let any, any new information she discovers affect her narrative, which is that I saw this picture and I want to date this guy. So everything has to fit into that. And that's why I think anytime he's freaking out, she's just going to like ignore it and be like, well, as long as he still likes me and we're still on track for my narrative to work out, it's going to be fine. I, I wouldn't say I disagree with both of you because I, you, you asked a question and Mm. then you gave a very, and Michael, you asked a question, Teresa, you gave a great response, but I think we're focusing on, like, I feel like we're cherry picking specifics Mm. about her. Mm -hmm. Like she, uh, she, she's, she doesn't have the anger issues that he does, but she's severely stilted in her life. She's Mm -hmm. expressed almost every scene after like, like once they start dating, how severely lonely she is. Mm -hmm. Um, She has mentioned that 
she also is the one who starts off like, I want to smash your, I want to eat your face, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're so goddamn cute. And his response is, I want to smash your face with a sledgehammer. And she <laughs> says, I want to scoop out your eyeballs and right. like, crunch so, them between my molars. Right. So they both have this like aspect of that violence that even though I know, like we all have experienced that. We have all been like, you've seen a puppy and you're <laughs> no. like, I want to crush you right. puppy yeah. or you, with like, love. Bite a baby's cheek, but this is beyond that. They're <laughs> literally saying Almost like, fetishism. Right, I want to violently <laughs> dismantle like, your dismi- face. That's how beautiful you are. You are to me, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think more to Teresa's point, I think you're absolutely right about him. He has some major anger issues to get over. Uh, I don't know what PTA is trying to say about uh, if he just is like, if he has a disorder, like if he is, uh, I wondered if he was autistic or, or is it that like he has lived in this like bubble for so long in this, like, like he cannot express himself and he's having a midlife crisis and that comes to fruition with his sisters who are constantly ribbing on him. Mm. And, it, and like the score, the John Bryan score that happens. Oh, yeah. Go like we, could, we should talk about a little later, like the harmonium and the drums. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. Um, because drums are a quote unquote violent instrument. It builds mm. so much anxiety the, throughout the entire film. Yeah. Like that music. And I actually watching it again, I noticed a lot more. I don't think I noticed as much. The first mm. time it was more of a subconscious like mood, but watching it this time I was like, oh yeah, that music is so overpowering and yeah. I know it wants to make me feel a certain way. And by the end of the film, by the way, if you notice, like anytime we're supposed to feel anxious, anxious in the way through Barry, who is right, Adam Barry Sandler, Egan. Uh, Lena is represented by the harmonium. She literally right. appears at and like has to dodge a harmonium and takes its place as she drives in. Yeah. But she And we find out later, of course, that she left it there for With him. the exception of the music of He Needs Me, He Needs Me, the Harry Nielsen mm-hmm. track. Yeah. Um, that montage, by the way, wonderful. Uh, but with the exception of that, slowly over, if you watch the score, over time, the harmonium and the drums start like call, like playing right. against each other huh. and it's a transformation that isn't just like here's a harmonium and then the drums slow down so like the violence of the and stuff like that just turns into like normal simple dr- like she doesn't cure him right they cure each they other come together or i would argue they're not cured but yeah they're, you're right you're they're right. together and i noticed that about colors too because he's always in blue, blue and, and she's in red. but all the everyone at first antagon like against him is in red and then she, uh, after they have sex, she's in blue. Um, but when they're in Hawaii, it's kind of neutral. She's in white. Before, uh, with pink bottoms. Before, so. yeah. So it's Everyone sort of like, else is purple The red pink. starts going away. It's mostly reds. And then the purples, I feel like, start happening when he's, it's more of like he's kind of entering into other people's And worlds. after their unit, pink just starts becoming a motif too, which I think Hawaii is just straight is up like the love color. Yeah, yeah. it's their it's union. Saying they found love. Love is pink. The, it's the, yeah. But I think definitely the red and blue has to mean that in some mystical way, they're opposites but the same, right? Like well, they're the kind the of people who dress in red, the same color every day, but they pick different colors. Right, but the other yes. people are in red. Like the, I think um, the sisters, there's other people in red at first. So I feel mm. like she just represents a stranger at first. And mm. as, her, as they start getting to know each other, it starts getting lighter. And then after they have, I think they've seen at the airport, yeah. When, uh, when they're talking about like, oh, can I go home with you? She's in blue. 
I'm pretty sure. I can't remember exactly. They're in silhouette for the but exit. But there's but a definitely a scene right after they um, get together where she's in blue, and I think that's sort of like she's under her, his world. But then later right. they go, but they both go back to their yeah. colors. Um, that's, so that's why I'm wondering. I'm always trying to figure out Emily Watson's character, Lena, <laughs> because she just seems like such an angel from his point of view, like such a godsend. I think mm. she is, That was is, too yeah. good to be true. He needs me, he needs me. Well, and the thing that I r- really got me this time is... Right, of course, the track is, I think, hammering home her thing, which is she just wants. So maybe her thing is she wants someone who's really dependent upon her, and that's kind of a weird thing to want, but that's what works for her. She has a horrible, horrible job for a relationship. She's constantly traveling. Right. She's severely lonely. She doesn't like going out. She's in Hawaii. Right. And Mm -hmm. she went alone chose not to go out and experience Hawaii. <laughs> right. You know, and there's this moment where uh, when they, like, finally meet after he, like, calls Elizabeth his sister and he, she, he's, she's like, oh, you're here just because Lena's here. Oh, my God. You're <laughs> just there because she's like, shut up. I will fucking kill you. Shut up. And then he finally gets a hold of her. They, like, meet. They kiss kind of thing. And then they're strolling out at night. And uh, uh, Adam Sandler says uh, to Emily... Uh, it really looks like Hawaii. It really it looks, looks like Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's just a great moment because she like laughs and smiles at that. Like that's true. That's like a unique observation. Um, I think that she really has an issue with like she needs someone to a be like in order for her to be her, mm-hmm. like be able to do the following, which is you know something we're going to mention in a bit, which is the pudding scheme, but um, also that she needs someone to help her get out of her shell. So, I don't know. But this is why I think she doesn't really like him. And I think over time, they'll get to know each other. If they want to make it work, that's what relationships are. Maybe she will like him. But all the things, like even the pudding, like she, you can tell she thinks it's a little weird. And she's just like, okay, sure. Like, that's fine. Like, it's not a thing where the more she gets to know him, the more she likes him. It's almost mm-hmm. like the more she gets to know him, she's like... Uh, that's fine. Well, just put that in the corner over there. Uh, put, okay, put that on that shelf. Like, she's already decided that she wants to like this guy. So unless Man, he says something like a deal I get breaker. the impression that she's head over heels in love. I never get the impression that she's like overlooking things. I don't feel that she thinks of, because she, I think she already likes him and that's why she's okay with all this mm. stuff. But I don't think these are things if she had seen on paper, it would have made her think, wow, this sounds like my dream guy. I think she decided no. she wants to like this guy and he's going to be her dream guy. And so unless he says something like a d- big deal breaker that's totally against her values. She's just going to make it work. Uh, as you see, that kind of happens. At yeah. the end, you know, well, he, he leaves, her, leaves at her at the hospital. She comes out, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, it does have this... I, sma- it she smacks of, like, talking, like, to a child. She doesn't puppy. say that. But I was waiting for that line, and I realized she doesn't say that, which is weird. Because in my memory, she always did. I think she does. Oh, she, she says does. something, yeah, she she says something says, like that. She says, you left me at the hospital... Uh, I wrote it down, and he says, "Yeah, I'm real sorry about that," and that's it. No, I'm pr- wait, then really? They kiss. No. I'm pretty sure she says something like that. But I think right. it, it sounds like training a puppy. It seems like we'll she's like, look. "I found my puppy," and I must. It's like when you get, literally, if you have a puppy, you can't just get rid of the puppy. You've already decided you want a puppy, so she's right. gonna make it work. But right. I, but I don't think to say all this as a negative thing. I think yeah. for me, this is why I like the movie. It's um, a more realistic depiction of love because I think a lot of relationships are like that in real mm. life. You do like there isn't like a fireworks moment right away and then forever it's 
perfect. I think yeah. that's what relationships are. You decide you want to be with someone and then you learn stuff about them where you're like, that annoys me. And there's also this ad hoc, like, this is what it is yeah. a little bit. Like, I can't really change this much about this. And I'm going to be open with that. And, like, that's the beauty of this movie is the uh, unbridled openness by both the characters mm-hmm. about their own problems that is, like, the uh, the breaking of barriers there. I think that's an interesting notion. It makes them a liet motif in a cartoon, but it mm-hmm. also is has some truth and relevance to dating. Although he's inadvertently open. He often lies to her up until a key moment where he stops. Yes. But like my favorite is, uh, but he's open by virtue of the fact that he can't lie. Like, you know what's going on anyway. Mm. My favorite (laughs) is the moment where he goes, uh, that pudding, that's, not my pudding. I, it's for someone else. And yeah. the, the, whoever they called it, that wasn't about me. I don't, they must have made a mistake. And um, also, I don't, I don't freak out. I don't know what my sister yeah. said. I know, yeah, right. he's like, yeah. I don't cry. It's like I don't literally cry. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, but he's literally okay. listing everything he does do, and yeah. it's obvious. Um, also, I just want to, because to me, a lot of the beauty of the film is also the visual like tricks as well. Jumping back to that phone box scene, where he says, which I got to quote, because, man, that is that. did that scene feel triumphant for you guys or scary? When he finally says <laughs> to his sister, there's no reason to treat me this way. You're killing me. You're killing me without you torture me. All I want is a fucking number that should be goddamn enough. I'm sick of this shit. Stop treating me this way and give me the fucking number. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> you are dead. Mm. And she goes like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah because, very... well, they treat him so badly. They really do. Oh, yeah. so Remember when they called you gay boy? You know, and like... then she goes, come on, gay boy, time to eat. They're literally right. like gaslighting him because they call, they call him gay boy and then they laugh at him, but they treat it like it's normal. They're like, why are you so mad? Why are you so mad, why? gay boy? It's like, right. you, like that, you're calling him names. You <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Imagine you had a sister who says, like, I'm setting you up on a blind date and you had, like, no it's choice, happening yeah. in a few hours. Uh, uh, all right, I don't want that. It's going to happen. And <laughs> then immediately, you're such a piece of shit for not wanting it to yeah, happen. Yeah, what are you, you know? gay? But yeah. this is why I also think on on the other side, like we say she's an angel, but to him she's not actually because I think in the same way he overlooks her flaws because it sets up like he doesn't like to feel like he doesn't have control of the situation. Like mm-hmm. when the sisters are like, we're going to do this. He doesn't like it. Yet when she does it, she she admits it. She she showed up at the car, forces him to take the car. She did all these things that he didn't want to do. But he overlooks that because when he decides he wants to be with her, it's okay. And the credit card scammers like take his info and kind of stalk him. Yeah. And obviously he doesn't like that. But when she stalks him, it's okay. So it's sort of like a double standard. And I think it's there to highlight that. When you decide you want to be in love with someone... The rules don't matter anymore. You're just going to like this person. And That's true, but I think the key magic... I'm sorry, I got to finish this phone box scene <laughs> okay. thought so I can move on forever, which is the color play again in that moment that I quoted. Yeah. Uh, I just noticed this time and it blew my mind that the parade going by him, because he's in Hawaii, mm-hmm. is uh, in the morning when he can't get a hold of Lena... It's cops on the outside all dressed in blue and all the people on the inside are red. And then at night, he finally gets a hold of Lena. The phone box light turns on at that exact moment and it cuts back to the parade. And now it's people in blue parading and they're setting up a red plastic fence. Ah. So I just love how... Uh, and I would also say the same. There's a lot of meaning behind when there are blue lens flares and why. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so now I can finally stop talking about the color shit. But the color shit blew my mind. Like, yeah. it's yeah. so detailed, it's shot by shot. It's because, it. like, that was the scene where he did a big thing that's finally going to flip the dynamic. Yeah. It's so cool. He, he does that a lot. I catch a new one every time yeah. I watch yeah. this movie. I didn't notice the parade one. That's a good one. Um, I also like when that they meet and, and it's a silhouette. Like they're across the hall, it's totally empty. But then when they meet, it's like full of that whole sequence yeah. of people oh, just, just way just too keep many walking. people yeah. crossing that right. silhouette. Which yeah. I, but the I meaning think, I got from that because I feel like it's echoed in other scenes in the movie is that also that there's like beauty constantly happening. In very mundane circumstances, it could happen. Yeah. yeah, I also see it as like sort of a metaphor for love because when you love someone or you think you do, you they are the only person that matters to you in the world. Mm. So that hallway seemed empty, but I think it was always full of people. Um, and so when we pull out and see them together, it's like that's how that hallway. Right, was. the first Everyone instance being a, like a meditation on isolation. Right, like and how the they second, actually felt was yeah. like they only see each other, they're alone. But in reality, like this is a busy hotel, mm-hmm. it's full of people. Right, and it doesn't matter because they just have eyes for each other, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I thought that that's beautiful too. And it's almost like it they serve as bookends for that sequence, even though the the song yeah. really is the bookends. But they they since they're almost identical shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of gives this um, this feeling of like that's the postcard of that. Here's Hawaii, bye Hawaii. You know, like that's Hawaii meant to them. Um, and they're also centered in frame. And usually, like, so when Lena, that's another thing because while we're talking about color, and might as well get out, silhouette. get out a, a few other like things that PTA does really well mm-hmm. from a director standpoint. Um, like when he's uh, earlier, their first kiss. Like so. They, he like, they come back to her place even after he beats the shit out of a bathroom stall, which <laughs> is a crazy scene. Uh, and she do, seems to not notice that he's got blood on his hand and stuff like that. They go back to her apartment and they like kind of have a nice little talk. They talk about the sisters. He, she kind of gets the lay of the land of like what is, like they're getting to know you. And then he leaves and she kind of dips in to kiss him. Yeah when he just kisses her cheek and then he kind of beelines to the door and then he starts to leave but on his on his exit he gets a phone call through the front desk of Lena calling for him which is a great yeah. diversion cuz yeah. at that point in the pacing of the film don't you assume all it's, phone it's calls gonna be you assume it. it's the asshole gangsters yeah. coming for all him. phone yeah. calls are bad it's, well i also love when he walks down the hall um, away from her and he says he repeats the line to himself which yeah. is like but Bye bye or something. Uh, yeah, like bye bye now. Bye bye now. And, and then, then he's like, like, bye bye now. Bye bye now. Bye bye now. Fucking piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what? Ha- so when that happens, he runs over, and of course, because it's a maze, because it's an apartment building sure. in L.A., he can't find it, which is a another great, great little yeah. piece of thing that uh, observation PTA does. Is he just like I'm gonna build tension viscerally? Right. Because you just like. Just do the, oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, just get there and kiss her. That's all you yeah. want. And he's just going to, ah, for just like a minute, I'm going to leave you dangling yeah. for a it's bit. It's kind but, of protracted. He even goes out a fire alarm door and sets yeah. the alarm so, off. It's very comical. So <laughs> just, like, so that's the setup. Yep. What he does with that scene is amazing. Watch it with screen direction hmm. in mind, meaning mm-hmm. like where the eyeline of the actor is going, where their movement is going. Because... Uh, there's some amazing shots about like left and right of frame and how like the frame catches up with him. Like he's too fast or too slow. And so he like leaves frame and comes back. And then when he's really getting closer slowly over time, which is something that he does throughout the movie, 
that sh- that's shot with the exit signs. Yeah. That's when Everything he, goes down center. When he finally finds the sure. right hallway, yeah. he's just running it's a straight. camera and it yeah. goes, exit, 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 And then he exit. finally arrives yeah. and they meet and they kiss. But think of the exit, exit, exit sign where it's just basically vanishing yeah. point to center. Yeah, it's with, beautiful. With a um, running Barry. Yeah. yeah. Is identical to the arriving at Hawaii. Oh, and the whole, mm-hmm. yeah, him Because air, him airport. going down the tarmac. And it even has the weirdly abstract symmetry of the composition. Like he picked hallways that look similar. They can make like a little video. They can build a video game out of this. And <laughs> right. I feel Punch like. Punch Truck love the video game. He goes out of his way again to like shoot in Chatsworth and like these mm-hmm. places of LA that are not pretty. Right. And make beautiful shots anyway, because that's also what. Well, they're doing with love, right? Mm-hmm. Like he as a filmmaker, he doesn't get to go to Hawaii and splurge on like Hawaii glory shots. He has to make Chatsworth look good, but, just mm-hmm. like they have to make the relationship work. But I kind of think so. The, what, what I took out of that, I don't think. I mean, I think it's beautiful in hindsight when we look at it, the story. But I actually don't think his motivation was to like make these ugly places beautiful. I think it was to show us these ugly places, and I think we project because that's what we do and we want to find love we project the beauty onto it because we're like oh isn't this a beautiful thing but Mm -hmm. i i took hawaii as almost like this is like slightly cynical but i took it as like a um the anti the rest of the movie like it's so quick it's it's this contrived place they go it's not i mean even though it is hawaii that we don't really see much of hawaii yeah exactly you see some flowers here and there it's meant to be like that's what this is what other rom-coms make you think love is the only one scene that we get it is the one i was talking about the silhouette I think that he makes it feel like a very sort of old-timey, lovely scene. It looks like a postcard. And it's like, the one yeah. that feels the most different from everything, I think, on purpose. I don't think we're supposed to feel like... like I think it's supposed to imitate how rom-coms build up to that moment. And I think we, it's almost like, ha, here, is this what you want, pigs? But I don't think that's <laughs> actually the point of the relationship. I think that is like not what their relationship is. And that, that scene is there to give you the viewer like a contrast to what it actually is, which is like a very real sweaty, like messy thing that most movies don't show. Would it surprise you that the, um, both the director and the composer during the making of this movie were in different aspects of grieving, Hmm. uh, a long relationship. Interesting. Uh, in the case of, uh, the, the actress that plays Elizabeth, um, who's like, the only not the only actual actor okay. of the sisters. The rest are non-actors that like Paul Thomas Anderson. Just They're like knew. a chorus. Yeah. yeah uh, so yeah, Mary Lynn Ratskub. Right. I don't. Oh, yeah, I, don't I don't. I don't know Rice the pronunci- pronunciation. Sorry. Of but uh, you, you know her. Like you, you, you recognize. Her she's been in places. She's, in she's one of those guys where you're like, oh yeah, that guy. She, when the <laughs> film was entering production, a very long-term relationship between her and John Bryan, who's the composer hmm. uh, of you know, score. He's done. He's done scores a lot of, of scores. scores. Scores of scores. <laughs> He does one of my favorite Paranormal, but he's also Great did uh, Eternal Sunshine okay. ah. and stuff like that. So he's very twee. He's, he's worked uh-huh. with all the sure. twee directors. Yeah. Uh, but in this one, um, which meant that during scoring, there were days where Brian was forced to watch his ex-girlfriend huh. on screen. She's so great in uh, it. And yeah, think of like great. music ideas and to yeah, add. For yeah. like hours at a time. Uh, and then in order to heal from the experience, Brian urged Fiona Apple to work mm-hmm. on some songs for... 
uh, like a new album and like mm-hmm. like get a collaboration going and stuff like that. Which is funny because coincidentally, the resulting album was extraordinary extraordinary machine, which was widely speculated about Apple's breakup with Paul Thomas Anderson. Huh. <laughs> so it was like Apple. this weird oh, Fiona triangle. Apple. Fiona Apple. So this like for some reason when you just referenced her by last name, yeah. Mike was like because uh, uh, Apple was dating Paul Thomas Anderson. It's true. Small world. Her everybody last name dates everybody. <laughs> I I think um oh so I have to say I watched this with my boyfriend and it's like not a good movie to watch I think as a couple. Yes. But I mean like we watched it together because I was like I watch it for podcasts let's watch it but it was like and I've seen it before so I knew this but I still like it's like so cringy it's like the kind of movie where I, I love it as a movie but mm-hmm. when you watch like if you want a feel good movie it's not no. that and if you watch it with someone who you're like dating it's like you, the underlying thing is like oh god love is so weird it's so awkward and also like why does anyone want this it's awkward and weird like everything's weird and and well it gross. brings up all of the part of the relationship you guys the ba- already the got stuff that through, you ignore and then you like kind of in your head both internally and also through talking well, about it well i don't it, think you like, get through it this I, is cool we're like we both like each other and like we'll give each other i don't think you get through it. i think that's what relationships are is always it's always two people agreeing to just like each other and be one and like mm-hmm. And nobody, because I don't even, like, there's nobody in the world I like all the time. Like, not even my family. Not even myself. So, like, but for some reason, when you're in a relationship with someone, you, you just agree to pretend that you've ignored, you, that you're okay with everything. And uh, and I think this captures all this stuff. Like, the, the corners I are like, we're just going to not look at that. And, like, I'm just going to turn away when you, because uh, she never really sees him freak out. Like, he, she probably knows he does from what she's uh. heard. But he gets to keep that away from her. And that's such a big part of who he is. I agree with that. I would put it in a different way. I just think that as limited creatures, humans need... They, there's a line in the sand where once we cross it, we go, okay, now things are fine. But I don't think they ever But are. you're right. There's no confidence. The confidence is an illusion. Is I, I super don't agree with either of you, <laughs> I, and I have I to at least <laughs> put it on the record. Maybe I'm overly romantic, but I feel like people listening need both sides. Yes, please. Um, I had a feeling I feel you like would very you're much disagree with natural me. <laughs> cynicism onto it. I I don't find it cringy. I find the movie hugely like triumphant. It is a feel good movie for me. I watch it with my girlfriend, and by the end we were making out, and then we made beautiful love. Talked <laughs> about how much we loved each other, and I do think that's intentional and baked into the film. And my big concrete piece of evidence I'll give is that if it's not magic, how did this woman just based on a photo know to give this man a harmonium? And what I mean by that is... She didn't. The very first few scenes... Yeah, she, Wait, she, in the she, end she admits she, she left the harmonium. No, the but it was out of a cab, right? No, she she admitted to leaving the car with the mechanic. It's still a magical world. It's it magical world. The point is... Because yeah. here's my point, and it's not just that. Uh... Throughout the first few scenes, he's only shown with his big metal thermos, which is clearly his comfort object. He uses it to escape situations. He hides his face in it when he's anxious. Uh That very day, the perfect thing to replace his comfort object comes at the same moment that the woman that he's going to end up with comes. Right. Like an and they arrive to like yeah. she is the harmonium, clearly. Yes. Yes. Right. She um, has to push the harmonium out of the way just to get in. And as he's carrying the harmonium in, he drops his thermos, doesn't go back for it, and we never see it again. Right. And um, now the harmonium is his new comfort object. And there's three references to the fact that he's never worn this blue suit ever before in his life. Right. Uh, he chose to make a change today. Some random little change. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a romantic tale about how 
anyone can find true love with just you just got to go out and try man I, you just got to wake up and that. try I, again I, I love yeah. that I think that's and how can you cringe when it's like it's such a victory well I don't when he's disagree taking the dudes apart with the tire iron aren't you like this is so fucking yeah. satisfying I don't disagree with you I think I think we just fundamentally and I already knew this but we have fundamentally mm-hmm. have, have different views about love like when I say cringe, I don't mean like, ugh. I mean like cringe because I cringe at love. Like, and I think we should because I think you should, it should make you feel vulnerable and it should make you feel weak because that's what love is. It's kind of breaking you down to grow and that mm. feeling of cringe is growing. And so that's what I mean when I say cringe. But I don't, and I do think, sure, it's magical and anybody can find true love. But I think it's, this is very different from a Disney true love because it's the kind of true love that takes work. And a yeah. lot of people watch movies and think, oh, true love, I'll find something. It's easy, smooth sailing forever. And this movie I like because it puts the cringe in. And when I say cringe, I mean the real, the stuff you have to work on, the yeah. stuff when you love someone and you're like having the worst day of your life and you're tired and you just don't want to talk to anyone. You can just say, I don't want to talk to you and they right. can walk away and tomorrow they'll still love you. That's what I think love is. Okay. I think this movie has that. You know that. you're both right. Of course. Well, <laughs> anything can be interpreted, but that's I. That's why I said it It doesn't matter. It's just an interesting thing to have both on the I audio ask, record. Well, think about The Notebook. But, if uh, mm-hmm. if Ryan Gosling had, le- had left... Uh, okay, what's a, rom-com, what's a rom-com you've seen that's more traditional Disney situation? 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, okay, but he's I mean, kind of addicted to you. But it's like based on Shakespeare, so it has Let's say, Well, plot. I'm going to use The Notebook because a lot, a lot of people have seen yeah, The Notebook, anything. but he's also a dick in there. Well, to the audience then Fuck in us. the notebook <laughs> ryan gosling is like forever true love never like writes her a letter like every day flawless, for a year true he's flawless love. yeah, yeah. For, loves her forever his only flaw is he's poor and hot and uh <laughs> mm. and you know because those poor hot boys really yeah. gotta, gotta, gotta feel bad for those those uh whatever but he <laughs> he if we had watched that movie and in that movie he left um rachel mcadams at a hospital while she's dying we wouldn't have rooted for him anymore. And right. that's why I think that makes this movie so good. It's because it's real because people make mistakes and people fuck up. And, and then- he wants to take care of her. He's just bad at communicating. Well, yeah. I agree completely with that. I think it's very intentionally a relationship that like a lot of quote unquote normal or like vanilla people would still have questions about. Yeah. Like, is he mentally a child? And if so, <laughs> is it weird that she's with her? like, you know, there it's, it's truly not a like picture perfect acceptable relationship to society. Yeah. But I would just say that, and yeah, to thank you for clarifying the cringe thing. Cause when people use the word cringe, I thought you were saying that it reminded you of like meet the parents, you know, like the jokes make you uncomfortable. Cause meet uh, the parents <laughs> makes me like super uncomfortable mm. all the way through. And I don't get that feeling. Cause the jokes of all the Jewish people. It. Because it's no, also hollow. <laughs> it's hollow and not really a well thought out movie. That's um, fine. Uh, it's been I a while g- since I've seen that. So I can't really recall. Sure. I want to give you both a question now that you see eye to eye kind of thing, but you're coming at, you're definitely well, we coming at we it with different We still have fundamentally different yes. views about love. Well, we're not trying so to convince each ask- other. We're just trying to converse. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you guys a question. What, what do you make of the title punch drunk love? Guess first, or um, should I leap in? It, well, I think it's a very, it captures the idea of like you hear it, you think it's a love story, but it's like equally punch, equally drunk, equally love, right? So like the anger is just as much of a part of it as the love is. Do you mean punch drunk as like that? Like, I don't know if well, it's I hyphenated, mean, but I that's mean, it could be either. It's punch, punch drunk is hyphenated. It's punch yeah. drunk, but it could also, you could just break it down as three words. It's punch. Yeah, drunk. punch course, is a really yeah. aggressive word I mean, you don't relate to love, but also punch drunk, like it could be, you're drinking the punch. Like, 
Oh, that's uh, interesting. Punch you know, drunk is usually uh, like it's almost like a fugue state. Like, well, it's it, based it's on impl- the book "Eat Love Punch," right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's to imply that you're not, you don't have control of your own devices. Correct. Yeah. That would be the origin of the word, or no, my is that under- better definition. My understanding is it comes from boxing, and it means the unique way they get dazed after taking too many hits to the head. So I took it as simply as. This is going to be a story where two people who have both suffered a lot fall in love mm. instead of two Ryan Goslings who have like no uh-huh. real problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because they've suffered, they therefore do weird, unwise things. Sure. Like uh, it is accurate that Adam Sandler does things that if I witnessed a stranger doing it, I'd be like, I'm scared of this person. Yeah. They yeah. Are, have violent anger issues. But seeing it through his eyes, when he suddenly, for no reason, kicked, for quote-unquote no reason, kicks three glass sliding doors, seeing everything that led up to it, you're like, I see why he did that. Right. <laughs> I love that. He just kicks them all in. What the fuck, and they Barry? All, like, they're all literally going, remember when Barry was gay and we'd Barry. say that and he'd get mad? That was so stupid. Then he gets mad and breaks a glass, and they immediately go, you fucking retard, what the fuck did you do that for? And it's like... Because of what you just did. Yeah. Like, all yeah. of this, yeah. all of this nonsense. There. Yeah. I also love the apology to uh, who's, uh, the, who's the brother in law? Yeah, that Robert Smeagol. Oh, yeah. Smeagol. That was Robert yeah. Smeagol. Yeah, yeah Smeagol uh, is Walter the, the dentist. I love that whole conversation where he's like, this is confidential. Like, where he asks if, he's, yeah. he, if he's he can get help to see a yeah. psychiatrist. And he's talking to a dentist who is his <laughs> brother in law. Mm-hmm. But even though like Walters the whole time is like, no, you're getting things wrong. He's still like, sometimes I just cry for no reason and then and just cries for no cry. reason. It's so funny. And it's so like, you do get the feeling that he's either got an intense disorder in terms of being able to connect with anyone or he's been stilted through a lifetime of having seven sisters yeah. and parents or some and situation the youngest of eight. that he yeah. has, he's been a, passenger in his own life sure uh he has built a neuroses for himself out of kind of and was never told to, he has no therapeutic response right. other than violence and, uh, well he holds it and holds it in and then he just flips out so yeah to do. and i and to me both cases are kind of blameless so even though he is violent even though he does things that terrify me and i go like <laughs> this man needs to get help that is absolutely true, but it, he also seems like a victim of either his own brain or his own. Right. But that's true. For, I mean, you could say of anybody who's violent. It's just what side the author shows, cho- chooses to show you. Like, it's no true. villain is arrives it's, at villainhood just right. because you're not born and you suddenly right. hate people. Lena so does not seem scared like, of him. It comes down to cost-benefit analysis. Like, if someone has anger issues, sure they can still function in society. Do they have anger issues that lead them to beat strangers to death? Then they can't. Yeah, it's just a logic. Thing. So I wanted to bring this up because now we. Well, got- just sorry before we move sure. on from that scene, because uh, you know me, I'm a note taker. That uh, scene with Walter the dentist has a line that I find so beautiful, so I want to quote it. Uh, he says, "Well, what? Ex- I'll try and help. What exactly yeah. is wrong with you?" And he says, "Well, I don't know if anything's wrong because I don't know how other people are." That's such a good line. The yeah. end. Yeah. It is. There That's is. such a good line. Then he says, I do know I sometimes cry for no reason. <laughs> uh, I love his, uh, this is something that I, like, because I've, like, experienced this. I have a lot of people in my family who are very curt. Uh, uh, they just say things that are very specific to 
what they feel is going on as opposed to like their actual feelings. Sure. Like it, it wouldn't be like, I feel like right now you're making me out to be the villain in this argument. And I feel like that doesn't need to be a part of that. And we can just have an argument uh, and stuff like that instead of, they don't like that kind of thing. And, uh, and there's a line that really pulls out to me when uh, he's explaining to Lena in the first date when they're sitting before he breaks, uh, before he beats up yeah. the bathroom, which I love can that anyone, phrasing. By I the just, way. for some reason, can't remember. What triggers him? Oh, she starts talking about the gay boy thing because she goes, your sister told me a funny story about you, about how you threw the sledgehammer. Oh, that's right. You broke some window or something. And he he does his typical like denying, like that did not happen. I don't have a problem with anger. uh, And then he goes and beats That did not happen. My sister is a liar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like how a child lies. And I love that he he has these bouts of violence. and he really goes to town on it. But he's also like a goblin, like when he ru- when he's like running away yeah. from like the, oh, yeah. the brothers from ah, Pro. He's, and he just <laughs> dives <laughs> into the street. That, just, hold on that oh thought because God. I have a theory. Go ahead. Um, but that, a little bit later, I'm still setting it up. Do you think up, this but, is, okay, wait, finish your thing because I, I want it. Well, uh, so there's a line that he says to Lena on the first date, uh-huh. which when she's asking about like what's going on with the pudding. Yeah. Uh, which is said nine times in like the movie by her sister. Yeah. Is a funny like, word. What is the w- but yeah, like Luis <laughs> Guzman. Having a bunch of pudding is funny. Yeah, yeah. Luis Guzman says like, why do you have pudding? Yeah. Like, I want to talk has, about the pudding after this. I want to talk more. about Luis okay. Guzman. Uh, so, he yeah. says, I'm guessing it was uh, talking about how they, the foresight of the like promotion. I'm guessing it was a mistake, but I'm taking advantage of it while it lasts. <laughs> I think it's kind of a... Uh, relevant kind of like how he sees this moment with Lena and mm-hmm. stuff like he's like I don't understand yeah yeah I don't know like kind of what are you saying to Smigel? like I don't understand why this is happening I don't understand other people but right now there's a beautiful woman she's interested in me makes me feel like other women in my life who make me feel like shit she doesn't do that and I'm I'm, right. I'm enjoying this ride she's literally the first person in the movie to say a line Toward him that empathize that sees the world from his point of view. She says, mm-hmm. Seven sisters, that must have been weird. And no one's ever like acknowledged yeah. that or been aware, like, mm-hmm. that must have been weird. Uh, yeah, and I love the moment you bring up the lines right before it. Uh, he tells her about the pudding deal, and she says, That's insane. Uh-huh. And this guy who takes everything as a personal dig, I love that. And I think this is definitely evidence on your side, Teresa, that. He's just choosing to project that she would never hurt my feelings because I'm in love with her. Mm-hmm. So even though she's saying something that would normally like hurt him, if his sister said that's insane, he would You're take it insane. Yeah. He takes it to mean that she's saying that it's insane what a good oh, scam yeah. it is. And he goes like, I know, I think it's just a mistake, right. but I'm taking right. advantage of it. But I, so I think it's also pertinent that she just did a dig at him and he took it and rolled with it and it wasn't a big deal. Or and did he she? didn't even register it. Right. Or did she even mean what he thought she meant? Exactly. Right, right. It's well, just, the yep. pudding to me, I want to talk about the pudding too. Because yeah, what's the, what's the pudding the moment, mean? Well, the moment that he says pudding, I love that moment because he's in the in the grocery store and he pudding. just turns to the camera and like, pudding. Yeah, like kind of like whatever, talk Adam Sandler way. Talk to me. But I loved it because it's like, I think that also represents the idea where you, when you're unhappy with your life and you're just like, just figure out this one thing, I can make everything okay. And that's what the pudding is to yeah. him. And it's like, he's in this grocery store. He doesn't, he's like, I think he said, I don't know what I want, right? He was going through. Different his, healthy choice options. Yeah, he's yeah. sort of aimless 
aimlessly going through this grocery store, doesn't know what he wants. It's very sad. And it's just like these halls. And then all of a sudden we're in on him and he's like, I figured it out. And now everything's going to be okay. And it's this like, it's false. It's an illusion, but he also sticks to it. And it does ultimately help him because it works. It works in the oh, story. It with, which is great. Because no, it takes oh, yeah. six what weeks to process and he has to go anyway, which I think right. is the important point of like, okay, life magically gave you this opportunity. Now it's trying to take it away. And he goes, well, fuck it. I'll just do it anyway. But that's what I think. The it, line it, it, he says, by the way, uh, when he's mumbling yeah. to himself is, what am I looking for? What yes. am I looking for? Exactly. Talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah. Exactly. So I think there was that moment of he literally doesn't know what he wants. But I, I, I don't think that it's uh, life taking it away. And I think this speaks to my my sort of overall takeaway of like, what love and all this stuff is, is once we decide what we want, everything's going to fit that narrative, even if you can actually poke holes in it, but people are just like, no, I don't care. Like the pudding, like you said, it takes six to eight weeks, but then later, then he's like, oh, I'm going to be in a relationship with her forever. So all of these miles, when they kick in, will help our relationship. But you could argue if he had stopped the first time, you yeah. know, he hit an obstacle, that would have been it. So basically, once you decide you want to do this thing, you keep going, everything does yeah, kind of no, fall into place. I totally agree. And I think that's the point of having it initially fail. Right. Is like, well, now he's on the track. He's going to interpret whatever happens as this is supposed to keep leading towards But that's the how thing. life is. That's what, like, yeah. this whole dumb secret stuff, which I don't really subscribe to, but the reason people love it so much, like, if you want it, you'll have it, is because if you want it for long enough, literally all the things are just going to seem to align for you to get but it. But it's because you're choosing to see things that way and yes. you're making micro actions that do yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, since we're in that scene, another <laughs> quote, I think this is maybe the most unorthodox big rom-com love speech ever given uh -huh. you know like the monologue where he has to win her back i love that his like analog for undying love is redeeming the coupons <laughs> it's i'm so sorry i left you at the hospital i called a phone sex line before i met you four blonde brothers came after me and they hurt you and i'm sorry so i had to leave to make sure you never got hurt again and i have a lot of pudding and in six to eight weeks it can be redeemed so if you wait that long i can come with you wherever you need to travel because i don't want to ever be without you again so will you let me redeem the coupons and like when he gets to the finally gets to the point and says, I never want to be out of your presence again. Right. I always tear up. No, it's, it's, it's a it's fantastic beautiful. it's like a, way in which he internalizes the world. It's like how a puppy would love you. Yeah. <laughs> like can give me permission to do this like plot that I invented in order to yeah. make us both happy in the way that I think we'll yeah. both want to be happy. Also before Hawaii, the grow the shopping scenes are the only time he ever smiles. It's like he loves figuring out the scam. It's yeah. so appealing to him. I love how for how bad he is at scams, for how <laughs> good this one scam is. He's so bad at lying. Uh, mm -hmm. There's one uh, earlier, uh, it's like one of the first drum score ones when Elizabeth's, Elizabeth arrives and has speedy questions. Uh, it's like, what, what the fuck was that? We need to talk about what happened with like that whole kicking the glass and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What's going on with you yeah. and like what's happening with Lena and stuff like that where, cause she's, everyone is just, is he going crazy? What's going mm -hmm. on? And it's got that crazy tense drum score. Yeah. And there's a lot of things happening on the floor, but the, the shot just follows Elizabeth in and then just stays as a two shot for like a minute, like a whole minute. And it, it's like the most static thing ever. 
uh, it's just two people standing having a conversation. There's not really any blocking. There's nothing to make it tense except yeah. for this music and the fact that she's like Blitzkrieg throwing <laughs> questions at Is him, this right? the one where in the back of the window you can just see boxes falling? Cause that's, that's at the end of this segment, but it's Amazing. this whole, it's at the beginning uh, of that. Comedic so timing funny. where a forklift move punctuates a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like Louise Guzman just stares at him in silence and a forklift goes, eh. uh, <laughs> So you get this, here's what I think is brilliant about these shots mm-hmm. in this segment is that he's just talking to his sister and it's static shots and through like sound and repetition and like intensity of like the voice and how the volume of the voice and stuff, it becomes like a prison. Even though it's mm. open space, it's like haunting. It's like his own kind of prison in a way because like he is there's people off screen. Luis Guz, he says like, I, I'm like busy. I got to work. And he was like, uh, and then he, 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 he realizes that lie. he has, he realizes that he has to tell, like he has to look like he's working. Then he huh. says, so he call yells, that guy in Toledo. Right? So he, yeah. he, he yells at, uh, Luis Guzman. He's like, call that, guy, call the guy from Toledo. What guy? I'll tell you later. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> he's just trying to be busy. He's just, yeah. cause right. he wants to get out so desperately. Yeah. And he's got all the open space in the world. Like he I can walk through that door. He can run through anything. Later in the scene, Luis circles back and even starts going like, what about that call? Do I need to make that call? Huh. What was that call about? Yeah. I don't know who's from Toledo. Yeah. Do you mean the best Western? <laughs> He's yeah. like, He's trying I to should piece have it said together. that. I'll tell you later. The, right. the blocking like that you mentioned, I, I also find really interesting too because all those, lo- the long tracking shots with him walking and also the play from like dark to light when he's in there. Where, there's a couple moments when he's like, it's like very... Um, was it's like just like one half of this frame is all yeah. light and one half is all dark yeah. and you see him like move from the light into the dark and and I don't actually didn't analyze it enough to really know if they're happening at certain moments but I do really like all those long shots when people including um what's her face Lena when they walk into the factory they always oh. track it's never just like enter through the door in the office. It's always like you walk, see them walking towards it and then you Plunger follow them factory. all the way in, yeah. into the factory. It usually tracks with them on focus. Like yeah. they just, they occupy the same space forever. Yes. And then they turn, you yeah. know, and so the camera just stands in one spot as you walk towards camera. The camera work is punch drunk and that's also. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of, uh, some of my favorite camera work is also in the scene where he very first calls the phone sex line. Where it moves. A, because uh, on a script level, I love the idea of, like you said, not omitting things that are true to life, where he's like, I'm going to call this number and maybe love will be on the other end. Uh-huh. Pick up the phone, talk to an operator, give your social security number. <laughs> like he has to go through so many steps where he's like, is that really necessary? I just wanted to talk to like a girl. <laughs> um, yeah. But B, how the camera keeps returning to the two shot at his table for two with no one in the other chair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love and that. In fact, uh, it was something that, like, uh, like PTA does this a lot. He, like, something happens, like, someone hits the lens while he's just watching it while they're setting up the shot, <laughs> and he goes, like, what just happened? <laughs> and then he's like, I want to, like, recreate that in a cool way. And one of the things was that, uh, like, it's the way in which, so there's two things going on when he hangs up the phone call because it's a callback service. Yeah. So Georgia has to call him back and there's that, you know, 15 seconds of silence where you're Mm -hmm. going like, is he going to get scammed right here? Right. Uh, And it moves from a short frame and what a short frame is, is when you're a lot of the spaces behind the head of Mm -hmm. the, uh, 
the main subject of the photo. So they're looking they're usually their the their face is faced towards like the end of frame. You're short framing them. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. And it's usually used to be like to lock people up in corners and like film school grammar. Or if you like, sat along enough, uh, yeah. it encourages you to think about what they're thinking about rather yeah. than what they're looking at. Because you don't see what they're looking at. Right. But it shifts over, it pans to the left and then reveals the phone in the center now. Now he's on the right of frame, yeah. And sh and the left of frame is an empty stool. Now that's like a signify. That's like a a shot that means something. Mm -hmm. It means like he's lonely. There's a lot of things you could read. He's into trying that. to summon a but person. But something that Elswit, uh, uh, which is the name of the DP, who's also he did There Will Be Blood. He's worked with PTA for almost everything. Uh, just bumped the camera <laughs> accidentally. And PTA loved it so much that he was like, it's not like a good move. Like when it moves <laughs> no, from right not. to left, it's, very it's bumpy. Yeah. It like j jerks over. Yeah. And it really makes you think about like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? Like, that's what I think. I think you're right. It's very punch drunk. Yeah. It like feels like they're stumbling through just looking it's, left, right? Like a baby walking into an It's like all this stuff that usually gets cut, but make, but, yeah. but they're like, leave that in there. Like they yeah. say with writing, you're supposed to enter the scene as late as possible, leave as early as possible. But they kind of like throw all those rules out and they like show you all the extra stuff like leading up to a scene. And but all they show how that extra stuff also has meaning. Yes, of Therefore, course. it's no longer extra. Whereas like in another movie, if you added a thing, a transaction yeah. before the meet, you'd be like, what are, you, what are we talking about here? Let's get to it. Yeah. Well, I want to say something about the phone call that I thought of when you guys were talking about because I, I didn't, I mean, sh sh that's his first attempt to find love. And I thought it was interesting um, that it's sort of like she's also a scammer. Like, not that Lena is a scammer, but like going along with what we're but saying. he is. Right, but going she's along with what him. we're saying about <laughs> like, you know, ignoring things and just right. deciding. Like, he kind of was like, maybe I like this. I'm just going to like whoever's on the line because this is what I want. So we do have an instance of it not working out because clearly it's a whatever. But Georgia is so far on the other end. She's just like playing up the sex stuff and all this thing. Um, but I actually, I haven't thought too much about Georgia until now. And the fact that she has four brothers and he has like so many sisters. Oh, yeah. And, and Lena very pointedly has no siblings and yeah. mentions it. And she says she's the kind of like a fake out a little bit. Like you're supposed yeah. to think like, oh, maybe maybe they'll fall in love on, and he'll like this phone sex girl oh, or so whatever. Also, I got the impression he just talked to her all night. Mm. Did he jerk off? Because at the end it fades to black, and he like leans so. forward. I think he does because he kind of okay. leans and forward. And then they kept yeah. talking. Because also like she wants him to, and that's the point yeah. of the call, and it wouldn't love, have wrapped up otherwise. I love the line like uh, <laughs> when he's talking about owning his own small business. He's like, I, I, I'd like to diversify, <laughs> but I think I'm doing great. I think as a start. And then she responds, Are you stroking it yet, baby? <laughs> Do you have it's, your pants off? Yeah. No, no, I don't it's, have my pants off. I mean, I think that that scene is also kind of about how. Uh, he is in all things except even though he's a liar, like he lies openly to his sisters mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. refuses to admit things about himself. He is a liar. Not like a compulsive liar in an aggressive way, but he'll not, lie easily but, to avoid confrontation. Yeah, it's yeah. usually to avoid things. Yeah. It's not to sell something. And so you have, he actually seeks truth. Like he, even though he says, my name is Jack, which is hilarious that he announces yeah. himself as like, I'm back. I, I mean, Jack. Uh, business is very he can't even, food. He can't even <laughs> say his own imagination, yeah. imaginary name. Uh, but like, yeah, she's so clear. Like, you so clearly know before you've even seen the movie that she's like, I'm on like my bed with my t-shirt, and you know, I'm going to town. No, 
She's <laughs> clearly in her sweat. Like yeah. we see her later with like right. a tabloid and a sweatshirt, and she's just sitting in her trailer. Yeah, at a desk. none of this fiction yeah. is real, and he believes it's real. And he gives honest recallings of who he is to the mm-hmm. person. Consistent yeah. recallings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just like y- you really have this catharsis at the very, like throughout this whole sequence where you really believe that, like, this guy is just, it's not going to end well for this guy. He's <laughs> not long for this world. Yeah. Well, we do have to ramp up in the next few minutes. So we should at least mention. Philip Seymour Hoffman, yes. the culmination of that B plot, who I think is is pretty straightforward. He is the ultimate bully. He's like all of his sisters combined. Yeah, his acting so fucking good. Like he's the kind of guy who gets on the phone and doesn't say anything except shut the he's fuck like, up. Shut, shut the shut fuck, fuck up. up. Will you shut the fuck up? I'm sorry. What? Just calm down and just shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like his lines are amazing. Yeah. And. Uh, and of course, now that he has love, he has the strength to defeat him. DMD um, mattress man. It's but so I just great we couldn't do this up. without oh, mentioning man. that Philip Seymour Hoffman oh, I destroys oh, yeah. him. Oh, I got a lot yeah. more. That was my favorite oh, scene: know, him showing up in in, uh, in Utah or whatever it, it is. Provo. Oh yeah, yeah to, when he just shows up because you don't expect that, and it's like the brothers do go to LA because they think there's money in it. But like I, that's probably the first time ever somebody's gone over there. And they roll him at the ATM and get five hundred bucks. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know this movie other than a rom it's actually a superhero movie, right? And the superpowers okay, love. I have the same interpretation of the Because shot. he literally leaps and when he's a goblin or he leaps and then in the it, air. That's him becoming Superman, yeah, right? That's him I thought be- the same. Yeah. He's got a blue suit. Blue uh, and tie. like the main arc other than the falling in love, uh, the only additional like real arc is that he finds a villain who's scamming people and mm. like takes him down right. peg, and he least. has super strength and when he flips out yeah. he's right. super good with that tire iron um so I, I love when he says uh he and hoffman are arguing on the phone and hoffman finally calms down but then he goes like you know what fuck you adam sandler mm-hmm. and hoffman does this thing where he delivers the line as if oh no you said fuck me now we're drawn into this inevitable <laughs> set of consequences. Yeah. he goes fuck fuck huh. did you Fuck, did you just say fuck myself? <laughs> okay, you're dead. <laughs> like, there's nothing that can happen. I here. love when he <laughs> runs to Provo, Utah with his phone, with the phone in with hand. With the phone still there, yeah. yeah. He arrives. He's going to beat him with the phone they scanned him with. And it's so haunting where he's just a silhouette, yeah. just there as uh, Dean, the D&D mattress man, uh, is getting his hair cut. Yeah. And he's getting <laughs> yeah. his hair cut. And then it's just silence, and he looks over and he goes, Fuck you. <laughs> he knows exactly <laughs> he knows who me. it is. And, he, and then uh, my, one of my favorite lines in that whole interaction, which is brilliantly written, everyone should just watch it once a day. Uh, he goes, all right, Mattress, tell me that's that before I beat the hell from you. <laughs> yeah. It's like such a it's wonderful kind of the surrounding bits like, just because I haven't written yeah, right, Wait, read I want to say something thing. about the Superman thing before you get sure, to it. Yeah, Because there's more evidence. I, I hadn't thought of that, but now that you say that, there's more evidence about that. Is When they get in the car crash, he's not injured, but they're yeah. both in the car. But and she, she gets is hurt. badly yeah. injured. Yeah, yeah, so that's weird. Um, yeah. And then... Um, Unbreakable. I guess if you're going to look at the miles as sort of like a way, like he can go anywhere now. In the yeah, world. he can fly. He can fly all around the yeah. world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's definitely Superman. <laughs> and she's his lowest lane. Yeah. Um, but that full speech, because it's so delicious, is I'm a nice man. I run my business. So you tell me that's that before I beat the hell from you. I have so much strength in me 
You have no idea. There is a love in my life that makes me stronger than you can imagine. So I would say that's that mattress man. And then on the way out, uh, Philip Seymour yells after him. That's right. Get out of my store, you fucking pervert. And he just turns around and goes, didn't I warn you? And he goes, that's that. That's that. I love love the intensity of Adam Sandler in that because he's like, he he has to be stopped by like words because he's just like, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to beat the hell from you now. (laughs) Like there's good. It's it's great that there's distance between us because if you're right near me, I'm wailing on you (laughs) with this phone. But he also does show control because if it had been earlier in the movie, he wouldn't have said like even that speech, he would have just showed up and beat the hell out of him. So it shows that he has control now and he's like being a reasonable man so he's superman who has too many powers and can't contain them and she's a trace amount of kryptonite that like helps him withstand yeah like because he's got (laughs) he's getting out of his own head and she's kind of i don't know it's kind of a weird way to put it but like (laughs) she's kind of like a drug for him to wean him off like his His self-destructive like archetypes that like this character has but I think Teresa brought up something really great, which is I didn't think beyond the borders of the movie because I think rom-coms usually don't ask you to think too far beyond the borders of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like you're not imagining, well, what's their marriage like 20 years from now? But I do wonder if anything will change when she actually witnesses him in person do mm-hmm. one of those things, like flip out and beat the fuck out of something. Well, I think it seems like they'll want to work it out. So if uh, if she sees that and he wants to get better, it seems like maybe she'll encourage him to like get help and maybe he'll do it. Hopefully. I, uh, I just, I fucking love the story of the beginning of this movie. It's real short, but like after Magnolia, which was more or less a flop, it was like 9 million. No, it was more than that. It was, it was, at least over 15. But this one's 25 <laughs> because it was so critically acclaimed. Uh-huh. So, like, people, like, he goes to Cannes and, like, you know, Toronto and these big festivals, and people are interviewing, and they're like, what's next? Yeah. He's like, I think I'm going to do a, I want to do a comedy with Adam Sandler. And everyone <laughs>, laughs was at like, him. Uh-oh. And was like, uh oh. And he was like, no, that's, I want to. Huh. The like three people, like, yeah. yeah, he talks That's about so the people that he wants to work with, and he totally does. Like Adam Sandler, oh, it's as just a like, man child, is like a wonderful it's thing. It's like it's Boogie the best Nights, where you're like, Mark Wahlberg's yeah. not good, but he's good in this. Like, it's like <laughs> the perfect use of Mark Wahlberg, exactly. And the same thing is true, I think, for Adam. Like, I wonder if funny people would have been made huh. if Punch Drunk Love wasn't. Oh, made. yeah, can you imagine if someone just like Oh, let's go see Jack and Jill. It's uh, you know, he was great in Punch. This is how different, <laughs> how different great. these That's movies great. are. Yeah, yeah, he really is like a versatile actor. Now that I've seen Jack and Jill, he really came. I'd love to see. I'd love to see little Nikki in this role in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, like see her try to love a literal goblin. <laughs> he also said he wanted to work with Daniel. Uh, he said, "What are the two actors you want to work uh-huh. with?" And he said, "Adam Sandler and Daniel Day Lewis." Oh, which is just well, they're so similar. They're so similar, <laughs> and also he went on to do that. Also, so. I love that even in this, in his one drama where you can tell he's trying hard, like his prestige movie. Yeah, Adam Sandler got to go to Hawaii. Adam Sandler <laughs> doesn't shoot a movie where he doesn't get to go to Hawaii. Yeah. That's the deal. It's also the only uh, Golden Globe that uh, Sandler was nom- has been ever nominated and for. And that will stay true, I'm sure. <laughs> Could, I mean, you never know. He got, he got nominated for acting in uh, musical or comedy. Uh, but yeah, it's just crazy. This story of this movie also just... No one... This is a different time for filmmakers, too, because mm-hmm. like... 
this is like near the end of like the 90s in terms of like, all right, you did a good job. What's your next movie? And it can be anything. Because right. they already took a gamble on Magnolia. Like he went over budget. He went over time. Right. Like there's and the studio hated him, but they're and then they saw the movie and they're like, this is a good huh. movie though, yeah. even though it didn't do well. Let's give them more it's money. It's like arguably one of maybe the top ten films ever made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's, it's uh, which is funny now. If you make a movie that good, they're like, that was excellent. How can we put you in a Marvel, Marvel franchise today? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a superman uh, superhero film. So. It's true. Yeah. Uh, well, is there anything else we want to do, or is that's that? That's, That's that mattress that. Met people. <laughs> That's that. Go watch Minnie and Moskowitz if you guys like this movie. Watch that. It's, it's, yeah. even, it's even more of the cringe. What, not cringe, but but actually I think that one's actually cringe. But. Subscribe to Teresa's great podcast. You can tell me anything. Most recent episode is a she flew solo. Oh, yes. Oh. Put trained the sights on herself. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that if I didn't know who you were, well, what's you want to plug? At no. Larissa T. Mm-hmm. Get mm, it? Yes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for coming. As it's always, wonderful. We are frame rate. <laughs> no, it's just a thing. Dude, that's like, how we've it never ends done. Three, <laughs> we are two, fr- one. We, we are, are frame rate. <laughs> this has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at Patreon.com/smallbeans. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash small beans where you can browse all of our current and past content see what we've got planned in the future and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans if you enjoyed this content module please like rate subscribe or tell a friend about us we love you <laughs>